Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11 through 12. 2 Samuel 23, 11 through 12. A strange scripture, not one that I've heard many preachers preach, but I believe God has given me something for you today. Are you ready for the word in the house? Come on, that was awesome. The Bible says this. The scripture's talking about David's mighty men. It says in verse 11, and after him was Shammah. Somebody say Shammah. Son of Agi the Harite. And the Philistines had assembled in formation where there was a field full of lentils, a pea patch. And the troops fled from the Philistines, verse 12, but Shammah took his stand. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's time to take a stand. Come on in the middle of the field, in the middle of the pea patch, he defended it and struck down the Philistines. And so the Lord brought about a great victory. I wanna preach to you this morning on this subject, positioned in the pea patch. Positioned in the pea patch. I told you, it's a strange text this morning, but God has something for us. Come on, lift your hands to heaven, if you will. Father God, I thank you for all you're doing in this house this morning. God, I pray that we would receive the word, the engrafted word of God that is able to save our souls. It's what you've told us. God, we pray today that this word would encourage us Lift us up. Let us not leave here the same way we came in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Come on, but on your way down, just give somebody a high five and say, you got to get positioned in the pea patch. Positioned in the pea patch. Positioned in the pea patch. Every single one of us in this room, we've talked about this recently in our series, This is going to throw me off today, y'all, by the way. This is so strange, but just stay with me. Each one of us in this room has a purpose. Somebody say, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. There's a dream that God wants to put in my life. God has a purpose for my life. You were not born by accident. Come on. I said, you were not born by accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God knew you were coming. Come on, you you were already set aside for the work of the master. The Bible says before the foundations of the world were even laid, Jesus had already decided I'm going to go to the cross because I have a purpose and a plan for my children. Come on. We have a purpose. We have a plan. You have something specific that God has created you for. But in our culture, often we don't worry about eternal purpose, but only momentary satisfaction. And so the enemy a lot of times uses distractions to keep us from the glory that God has called us to carry. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. Your purpose is to carry the glory of God. The glory of God. I was not made to just come to church, 
boo-boo, I was made to be the church. I was made to carry the kingdom. I was made to carry the glory. Because in the Old Testament, pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection, the glory would only come on somebody. But when Jesus came and paid the price for sin for you and I, he was now invited into us because the penalty for sin had been paid, the atonement for sin had been paid. Now we have an invitation not to experience glory on us alone, but to be a carrier of the glory of God. This tells me that everywhere I go can experience the glory of God. It doesn't have to just be, I feel like preaching already at midtown at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. I can walk into Starbucks and the glory of God has showed up. I can walk into my in-law's house and the glory, some of y'all's in-laws needs the glory. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You experienced it this week at Thanksgiving. But when you walked in the room, the glory showed up. That means I can walk into a crack house and the glory of God will show up because I'm no longer just a church guy just a religious experiencer. I am a carrier of the glory of God himself. Do you believe that this morning? I believe it. So the enemy likes to use distractions. Netflix, come on somebody. (laughs) I I like Netflix too. Come on, don't get me wrong. But those things can be a distraction from what God wants to do in our lives. We aren't just called to carry stuff and do stuff. We're called to carry the glory of God. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're called to carry the glory of God. But often our purpose is tied to a problem. Think about that for a second this morning. Our purpose is often tied to a problem. There's a reason you think the way you do. God wants to use it. Even, that's the beautiful thing about God. Even the bad stuff that I've been through, God wants to use it. So how many of you in the room are OCD? Yeah, both hands up. God wants to use that. Anytime something needs to be centered or straightened, the staff comes to me a lot of times, or Pastor Faye, because they know that I can look at it and say, that's not centered. God wants to use that. There's a reason you think the way you do. Come on. And even our bad experiences can produce in us, the Bible says, a glory that outweighs what we've been through. God wants to use me to fix a problem. So God has made you, catch this this morning, an answer to a problem. Somebody declare, I'm an answer. I'm an answer. God's not just calling you to be famous. He may do that for some of you, but he's called you to be an answer. God is looking for people who are not going to be the problem, but be the answer. Come on, I'm not going to cause more division and strife. I'm going to be the answer. Come on, I'm not going to dishonor and be offended and get mad because the coffee wasn't the right temperature or somebody was sitting in my seat. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the answer. 
I'm going to be the answer. So maybe there's a problem in your life that you're dealing with right now and you're saying, God, why haven't I come out of this yet? Could it be that God is looking for you and I to say, I know I'm in the middle of hell and high water right now, but I refuse to complain. I refuse to add to the stress. I'm going to be the answer to this problem. Somebody say, I'm an answer. I'm going to be an answer to the problem. So God is looking for people in the room this morning who are willing to stand up and say, I'm going to be an answer when nobody else is. But what happens, is everybody still with me this morning in the room? What happens when God calls you and gives you a purpose, but the purpose is in a place of insignificance? Have you been there? I said, have you been there? What happens when God says, I have destiny on your life, I have purpose on your life, you're going to be an answer. But then he takes you and sets you in the middle of something insignificant. David, I don't want you to go to the army. I want you to go to the field. Moses, I don't want you in the palace anymore. I'm going to put you in the wilderness with sheep. Come on. There's something about God using us in the wilderness with sheep. Come on. God sent them. Even Jesus had to go to the place of mundaneness and insignificance. Because we, catch this, we like to rebuke insignificant things. And we like to say because things are small, God is not in it. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God, it literally says, drove Jesus into the wilderness. It sent him there. It sent him to the place of insignificant. And often we get to the place of mundaneness and we, re- we begin to rebuke it. God, I'm more than this. God, I'm called to more than this. God, this isn't what you promised me. Here's here's what I hear all the time. But God, I have so many talents. Or, Or they're not using me enough. That's often the thing we hear in ministry as pastors and leaders is they're not using me enough. They don't know all my talents and my strengths. It's not about you. Come on, everybody wants the microphone, but nobody wants to scrub the toilet. Come on, somebody. But the thing we don't realize is even in the mundaneness, God is using me to do his will. Come on, somebody. We can't all have microphones. That would be utter chaos. Come on. God has to use us where we are, even in a place of insignificance. And I'm sure... That today in our text, Shama felt the same way. Because what's interesting is he is listed in the text as one of David's mighty men or one of David's warriors. Here is a warrior, a man that is trained for battle, a man that is skilled with a sword. A man with an anointing, a man with talents, a man with calling and purpose, but he's not on the battlefield, y'all. 
He's in the middle of a pea patch. Talk about insignificant. Yo, we're going to go to the big boy battle. Come on. And you're going to stay. Shama, stay over here with the pea patch. I'd probably jack his jaw if he said to go to the pea patch. Come on. But he sends him to a pea patch. And the thing is that a hill of beans, a pea patch, may not seem significant to you and I. But what we don't realize is in the middle of a war, food is a necessary thing for those who are fighting it. So sometimes when God sends you to a place of insignificance and it feels like nothing is, is happening and it feels like you're in a small place and it feels like you're in a small beginning. Where are you at today? It feels like I'm not getting anywhere. I've tried with this marriage. I've tried with my kids. I've tried the career. Am I talking to anybody in the room this morning? I've done it. I've done the 12 steps. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've asked God, but here I am guarding a pea patch, but what we don't realize is that the pea patch is a significant moment that God wants to use to create a greater victory in the kingdom of heaven. Come on, the harvest matters. Somebody say the harvest matters. And the temptation would be to leave the harvest, but the Bible tells us that he wants us to put our hand to the plow and to push forward. Because if I can go just a little further, I'm going to win the victory. Come on, somebody. If I can push a little further, God's going to use my insignificant moment, not just to feed me, but to feed everyone around me. Come on, give God some praise right there. There's a temptation to leave the insignificant when things get hard. Did you hear me? Yeah. You're quiet this morning. Did you eat turkey on your way here today? Come on. <laughs> There's a temptation to leave the small thing when things get tough. And here's the problem with Shema. It was in his DNA to leave. Let me give you some proof. His father's name was Agi. Somebody say Agi. Which means fugitive or one who flees. It was literally in Shammah's DNA to flee from the place that God had sent him to. Now I know some of you, we all have it in us somewhere. Come on. There was some crazy family member whose DNA is inside of us. You should be an alcoholic. You should be a child abuser. Come on, somebody. Come on. You should be the one who leaves your spouse. It's in your DNA. Problems are in your DNA. But remember, when we come into the kingdom, we're now a carrier of his glory. And now we are no longer the problem. We become the answer. So Shema said, I know it's in my DNA. 
But when I was bought by the blood of Jesus, baby, I was born again. And I'm not who I used to be. You don't have to be what your family dictates. Come on. You don't have to be the second generation addicted. You don't have to be the second generation that has a divorce. When I come into the kingdom, things begin to change. Come on, somebody. I'm not who I used to be anymore. I don't have to flee. I don't have to run. I'm Shema, and I'm going to stay in this pea patch. And I know it looks insignificant. And my daddy left, and my mama left, but I'm staying here because the anointing's on me. I'm staying here because I got a purpose and a plan for my life. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. The harvest matters. And I will not leave the harvest because it seems insignificant. There's a harvest that the church is supposed to be working, but the devil has made us think that it's insignificant, the work we do. Don't you dare let the devil tell you that what you're doing is insignificant. The devil is a liar. I said, the devil is a liar. It matters that I just showed up today. Come on, you're quiet today. It matters that I just showed up today. It matters that you served in kids' ministry. I know it's just a few kids, but it matters. It matters that you tied and gave. I know it seems insignificant, but it matters. There is something powerful. Come on, give me some help. There's something powerful about just showing up. Come on. I want you to give three people a high five and say, you better show up. You better show up. Come on, give somebody a high five and say, you better show up. There's something powerful about showing up because if I could just show up, I may be tired. I may have a crazy finger. Come on. I may have spent three hours in the ER yesterday, but if I could just show up, I know God will too. If I could just make it, if I could just get in my car, put it in drive, and get to the presence of God, I know that he will shift everything for me it matters somebody say it matters she was in his dna to leave the harvest behind and to flee and notice in the text can we throw that text back up there notice in the text that everyone else had fled from the philistines did you catch that the troops fled from the Philistines. Now go to verse 12. But Shammah took his stand. When everyone else leaves, what do you do? What everyone else does, do you follow it? Come on, somebody. When everyone else gives up because it's hard, what do you do? Come on, somebody. Do you give up on the marriage when things get hard? Or do you keep pressing and plowing and refuse to give up 
because I'm called to this woman or I'm called to this man if you're a lady in the house and I refuse to give up because things get hard. I refuse to give up on my children even though they may be going crazy. Where are you at today? I know everybody else is fleeing. I know everybody else is going. But Shamma took his stand. I said Shamma took his stand. Because serving God in the mundane is not the popular thing to do. Come on. I've told you before, we, we had our, our covering church that's in Florida say, hey, why don't you come be a campus pastor down here? It would have been really easy to do that in 2020. When everything was shut down. How many letters did we mail out? I think over 200 churches and leaders we mailed letters out to asking for partnership to launch this church. Y'all want to know how many answers we got? One. We were in 2020, a strange time. And it would have been really easy to say, man, Florida looks real good right now. <laughs> Maybe I can't be around people, but at least I can be at the beach. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Beach church. Come on. Church of the beach. Church of the beach. Come on. That would be fun. But that's not what God said to do. Come on. That's not what God said to do. He said, I sent you here. So now take a stand. That's the problem. Every time the enemy shows up, we want to flee. And no wonder we don't have any victory in our life. No wonder we can't get over porn. No wonder we can't get over addictions. No wonder we can't get through a bad marriage. No wonder we can't get through family issues. Because every time something happens, oh, the devil's attacking me. Stand up, child of God. You have the glory of God in you. You have the power of his spirit in you. I'm not a nobody. I'm somebody to God. And if he put me in the middle of the pea patch, I'm going to stay here until he tells me to move on. I know it may not be popular. They may have fled. They may have ran. But I'm staying in the pea patch. It looks small. It looks insignificant. But I'm here until God moves me otherwise. Come on, somebody. I dare you to give God a praise right Right now for the small thing, for the insignificant thing. Come on, give him some praise right now. Can I be faithful with a little bit? Come on, look at your neighbor and say a little bit. Come on, you can be better than that. Say a little bit. Come on. Come on, because catch this this morning, child of God. Is this helping somebody in the room this morning? Only when I can be faithful in the mundane will God begin to do the miraculous through me. Ah. Come on, it's only when I'm faithful with the insignificant that God says, okay, now he's ready to handle more. It's called stewardship. Come on, you know the story, the parable where God, Jesus gives talents to certain men and the one dude hides it in the ground. 
but the others did something with it. God will never do the miraculous through somebody who cannot be faithful to the mundane. Come on. But when I am faithful, somebody say, when I'm faithful. Shout it, when I'm faithful. When I'm faithful in the mundane, get ready to shout, God will begin to do miracles not only through me, but for me. Come on. Some of you are about to get a breakthrough in your finances. Come on. Because you've been faithful. Some of you are about to get faithful in your marriage, and God's going to give you a breakthrough because of it. Because if I can stay faithful in the tough times, in the mundane, in the smallness, and I'm preaching better than you, amen, to me this morning. Come on. If I can stay faithful in the mundane, God is about to do something that is going to blow my mind. I know you shouldn't have got the house. I know you shouldn't have got the building. I know your marriage should have went under. I know you shouldn't have got the promotion. How did you do it? I was faithful in the mundane, and God did it for me. I dare you to stand up and give three people a high five and say I'm about to see miracles, signs and wonders come on come on somebody I know I'm in the mundane right now but I'm about to see miracle working power now come on and give God a hand clap and a shout of praise be seated, be seated be seated so he's faithful in the mundane. He says, I will not give up. Somebody declare, I will not give up in the pea patch. Some of y'all don't even like peas. I'm praying for you. I love peas. Come on. With mashed potatoes, y'all. Mashed potatoes were made to carry peas. <laughs> it's in the mundane where our faithfulness is tested and that's where we decide will I experience the miraculous or not it's in the hard moment but what's interesting is throw that second verse back up there if you will everyone has fled but he has decided I'm going to stay I'm going to stay in the place that God positioned me in. Because we think, and keep that up there for me, if you will, we think that if God put us there, it will be easy. I've never lived that life, y'all. Walking with Jesus is not walking in a field of tulips. Come on. I wish it was, but I have gray hairs that tell me otherwise. And I have a flap of a finger this morning that tells me otherwise. Come on. Serving Jesus is not easy. The Bible says there will be a cost to serving Jesus. And so he has decided I'm going to take my stand in the middle of it. He didn't position himself at the edge of the field so he could run if it got bad enough. Oh. He said, I'm going to stand right in the middle of the place that God has put me in. He positioned me here. He positioned me here. 
And the Bible says he defended it. Now go back to verse 11 for a second. It tells us that this was the place of the Philistines. The place of the Philistines, and specifically, if you do some research, he was in the place of Lehi. Somebody say Lehi, which means jawbone. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, the place of the jawbone, they called it Lehi because it's the place where Samson took the, the jawbone of a donkey and slayed a thousand what? Philistines. <laughs> a thousand Philistines. It was the same place that Samson had experienced a victory before. And so I can just imagine Shama being in the middle of the pea patch, deciding, am I going to flee like everybody else? Or am I going to stay in the middle of it? And suddenly, God brought back to his remembrance what he had done hundreds of years before. Because the enemy will try to trick us that the mundane doesn't matter. Why fight for the mundane? Why fight for the few? Why stay in the middle of it? But what we have to do, as Lamentations tells us, when we're going through a hard time, recall to my mind everything that the Lord has done and you will receive the hope of the Lord. Because I hear the, the writer of the New Testament say that he's the same God yesterday Today and, which means if he did it then with Samson, he can do it for me today. Come on, if he, if he took out Philistines then, he can do it through me today. Look at your neighbor and say, he can do it through me today. Come on, come on, he can do it through me today. If God did it, he's the same God. Come on, it doesn't matter if we've been in a pandemic. God can still grow churches in a pandemic, y'all. Did you hear what I said? I know there are no buildings in this town at all. It's awesome. But y'all, God can do what we cannot. Which means if he did it for so-and-so in the 50s, he could do it for us in 2022. Come on, he recalled to his mind and he had hope. This is the place where God gave victory before and he wants to give it to me again. Again, he's the same God. Give somebody a high five and say he's the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God. But what's amazing, you still with me in the house, this helping somebody. What's amazing about Shema is his name doesn't mean fugitive or one who flees like his father. It means astonishment. What God wants to do in you and through you in the middle of a pea patch, he wants to use it to astonish the world. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.